When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fans First Sports Network listeners, welcome to another episode of The Call Sheet. I'm your host, Kevin Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at KTSmithFFSN. Uh, I'm a contributor and podcaster to the Fans First Sports Network NFL feed, also a contributor to, contributor to the Steel Curtain Network, as well as the head football coach, at a high school in southern New Jersey, Ocean City High School. Go Red Raiders. And we'll be kicking off our season about the same time as the NFL kicks off there. So that'll be interesting to follow both of those plot lines. Hey, on today's show, we're going to talk about a couple of interesting subjects in our in our first half, in what we call our first and 10 segment. We're going to look at some of the best NFL fits for some of the draft's most interesting prospects. And by interesting, I mean guys who who really captivate our attention for one reason or another. And I think back to recent drafts, there have been players who I've really been interested in, like DK Metcalf and Jadavian Clowney, because they were both just such phenomenal athletes. And I thought, how will their athleticism translate in the NFL? Or a guy like Jalen Hurts, who, who was a little bit more complicated, somebody who had been a winner at both two huge high-profile college programs, Alabama and Oklahoma, but many skeptics had their doubts about him. Would his game translate to the NFL? And you thought, hey, where's he going to land and and how will that benefit him? So landing spots are really important, and we're going to talk about that with some of this year's most intriguing prospects. And then in the second half of the show in our Coach's Corner segment, we're going to look at the Jalen Hurts contract. He's just signed a contract that is make is going to make him the highest paid player in NFL history. And we're going to look at, at the question of whether or not it's good business and how does it affect the future quarterback market. And we're going to do that with a special guest, uh, the CEO of Fans First Sports Network, Ken Wisniewski, who is not just the CEO of this particular venture, but also of a highly successful business, Webamax. And Ken knows uh, more than just about anybody that I'm familiar with about how businesses run, and he'll have some interesting thoughts on the Jalen Hurts contract. Okay, so let's get going with our first part here, the first and 10 segment. The NFL draft is just a week away, and, and most prospects are going to simply be thrilled to be selected. Uh, but you know the team that chooses them will have a really significant impact on their future success. If they land in the right spot, that could be the impetus for a long and prosperous NFL career, but the opposite could set them up for failure. So there are really good situations for some of the draft's high-profile and more interesting prospects, and there's some that are not so good. So let's look at some ideal fits for some of the more interesting prospects 
in this draft. And we're going to start with Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida, who's a fascinating draft prospect. I mean, Richardson wowed the football world at the NFL Combine with his interesting combination of size and athleticism. He's 6'4", 245. He looks like a linebacker playing quarterback, yet he ran the 40 in 443. He registered a 40.5-inch vertical jump, and he broad jumped almost 11 feet. And all of those ranked highest among quarterbacks who tested. You know, at the University of Florida, he flashed skills that were pretty commensurate to his physical gifts. You know, elusive runner, quick lateral movement. He could he could bowl you over or, or fake you out of your cleats, and, and that made him interesting. But as a passer, he had a cannon of an arm. His delivery was smooth. He was efficient in rhythm. When, when, when plays broke down and the pocket collapsed, he, he was elusive. He could escape, but he wasn't a scrambler. He was composed. He kept his eyes down the field. So, you know, he was kind of like a college Cam Newton, but with a more developed passing game. But he's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. He's he's just 21 years old. He made only 14 starts at Florida. The most troubling statistic is probably the fact that he completed just 54% of his passes in his college career. In five of his starts, he completed less than 50%. And he finished his college career with a 9 out of 27 performance against Florida State. So, so when you look at the book on Richardson, it really goes like this. While he's incredibly gifted and possesses a high ceiling, his floor is significantly lower than some of the draft's more polished quarterbacks. He's got kind of a boom or bust potential, which means he really needs to land with a team who's going to know how to accentuate his strengths uh, and develop his weaknesses. And I believe that team's the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, so why the Colts? Well, primarily because of their new head coach, Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia the past two seasons. Uh, Steichen helped turn Jalen Hurts from a prospect who had questions about whether he could, he could become a legitimate NFL starter into, as we said previously, the highest paid uh, player in football history. So how did he do that? Well, you know, Steichen's offense is heavy on pocket movement and RPOs and timing routes. These are all things that helped Hurts and things that Richardson does well. Uh, he's got a running back in Jonathan Taylor, a pro bowler, who he he will be able to lean on, which will help Richardson significantly as he develops the more nuanced aspects of his game. You think about that, a Taylor-Richardson backfield duo, that's going to be really interesting. Probably make for one of the more imposing backfields in the league. Uh, you know, and, and Indianapolis was respectable on defense, meaning Richardson shouldn't have to win too many shootouts as a rookie, they'll probably be able to control the clock with the run game, stay in games on defense, and you'll need him to make a handful of throws to win football games. And I think Indy's system can do that. So Richardson landing in Indy would be a really, really great fit for him uh, as one of maybe the, the most interesting quarterback prospect in the draft. All right, let's move to a second guy, Darnell Washington. He's a similar physical specimen to Richardson. He's a 6'7", 275-pound tight end, probably one of the more imposing players to ever man the position. You know, he didn't catch a ton of balls at the University of Georgia. I mean, that was in large part because the Bulldogs used a 12-personnel system that featured Brock Bowers as their primary receiving tight end. Washington was a little bit more of the blocking tight end. But, you know, when you asked him to be a receiver – 
he demonstrated soft hands when he was throwing the ball. And, you know, he's 6'7", 275, so tackling him is a chore. You know, as a blocker, his technique can be a little bit lazy. He can sometimes play with 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 uh, poor leverage um, and at times can be a little bit slow out of his stance. But when he squares up, right, when he gets his hands inside, he's an absolute force and he's going to be able to relocate the edge of a defense. The Cincinnati Bengals, that's a perfect landing spot for Washington. And why the Bengals? Well, first and foremost, they've got a, a really experienced line coach and run game coordinator in Frank Pollock, who I think does a, a great job and has done a great job at bringing that unit along. Uh, they upgraded their line by signing Orlando Brown, arguably one of the three best tackles in football, to a relatively cheap deal. So if you put Washington on the line next to Brown, that's going to be a problem for defenses in the run game. Uh, the Bengals also lost their primary tight end, Hayden Hurst, in free agency, and they need to add a top talent to that position group. So if you give Joe Burrow, a massive target like Washington, the roam the middle of the field. It almost seems unfair when you couple that with Cincinnati's talent on the outside, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. You know, if Washington makes it to the 28th pick, I think the Bengals should run to the podium with his name. That would be a great marriage. All right, so we're developing a theme here, and the theme so far is really athletic or physically gifted players. And I'll give us one more to look at. And that is Nolan Smith, the the edge Washington's teammate from Georgia, who at 6'2", 240, and, and again, is an edge player, essentially an outside linebacker, ran a 4-3-8-40 at the combine and was mad because he felt he ran too slow. He told reporters that he was anticipating running more in the 4-3-3 range. That's astounding. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that that 4-3-8 was a time reserved for elite receivers and defensive backs. And now you have a basically a, an outside linebacker running sub 4-4. So, you know, the, there are a lot of fast guys who don't make it in the NFL. I do not anticipate Smith to be one of them because he's got a motor that matches his speed. And he was a highly productive player on college football's most devastating defense the past two seasons. The thing that I think separates him is his toughness. While he is extremely fast, he's also really tough. He's so tough, in fact, that he's probably a more accomplished run defender than he is a pass rusher. He he plays with tremendous leverage and power. He sets a hard edge no matter who's blocking him. It's interesting because he can actually struggle at times to disengage from longer offensive tackles as a pass rusher. But uh, with sub 4-4 speed, I think the right coaching staff will find a way to develop that aspect of his game. And he's already shown he's a great run defender. So what's an ideal landing, landing spot for Smith? The Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles need an edge. Like right now, as of, as of today, they currently list their, their uh, top weak side linebacker as journeyman Nicholas Morrow who they're not going to go into the season with as their starter. If they draft Smith, he would immediately compete for reps there in their base 4-3, and then they could slide him to edge in their nickel package. Couple that with the fact that Philly really likes Georgia defenders. I mean, they drafted two of them last year. They drafted Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean, and that they feature a unit built on speed and power. Adding Smith would really be a smart move and would continue that trend. 
All right, let's look at our fourth player, Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa. With a name like Jack Campbell, which sounds an awful lot like Jack Lambert, it's and, and coming from Iowa, which wears those black and gold uniforms, it's hard not to picture him as a Pittsburgh Steeler. But there's better reasons to pinpoint Pittsburgh as an ideal landing spot for, for Campbell than the, his name association and the black and gold. Let's look at the Steelers. They've placed a lot of emphasis this offseason on getting tougher and more physical at the linebacker position. They, they replaced Miles, Jack, and Devin Bush, who were the two starters last year and who have better lateral better lateral movement than downhill aggression with a couple of thumpers. They brought in Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts. Those, those are two downhill guys. The Steelers play so much sub-package defense these days. Like it almost feels as though they're search for a do-it-all linebacker like they had in Ryan Chazier is over. They seem now to be pivoting to solid run stoppers and they're going to leave the heavier lifting and coverage to their nickel defenders and box safeties who they feature in their sub packages. So if they want Campbell to be primarily a run stopper, he fits that mold perfectly. He's he's got average lateral movement and his pass coverage isn't bad, but I wouldn't call it his strength. However, he's 6'5", 250. He is big and physical. He is violent at the point of attack. He is a tackling machine. He's extremely smart. In addition to winning the Buckus Award as the nation's best linebacker last year, he received the William Campbell Award, which is otherwise known as the Academic Heisman. He was a team captain at Iowa, and he would likely assume the green dot in Pittsburgh as the quarterback of their linebacking core. Tough, physical, fits with what the Steelers are looking for uh, in their defense as they remake their linebacking core as more of a downhill, aggressive unit. I think Campbell and Pittsburgh would be a great marriage. So there are our five interesting small school and uh, intriguing draft prospects and, and, and what I believe to be some of their great landing spots. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will have the pleasure of talking to uh, the CEO of the Fans First Sports Network uh, and a man with a ton of business experience. And he's going to give his thoughts on the Jalen Hurts contract on the concept of employee value and, and how that gets determined and on whether or not Hertz resets the quarterback market. It's going to be a really interesting talk with Ken Wisniewski. Please stick around. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the call sheet. 
This is Kevin Smith, your host. Uh, in the first half of the show, we talked about some of the best draft fits for some of the more intriguing talents in the upcoming NFL draft. Where might some of the better landing spots for those players be? And in the second half of the show, in what we usually call our coach's corner segment, we're going to talk about contracts. So it's really kind of more of a GM's corner this week. And the contract we're going to talk about specifically is the one that Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, just signed, which is a record-setting but strangely team-friendly contract. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Hurts contract and various other subjects with a very special guest, the CEO of the Fans First Sports Network, Mr. Ken Wisniewski. Ken, what's up? Thanks for coming. Hey, man. On. How are you doing, Coach? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How's how's uh, sunny Florida? Sunny Florida is 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 doing well. Looking looking forward to getting back into uh, into the hood of New Jersey soon soon enough and and get back to seeing you. But uh, appreciate the time and appreciate the opportunity on the show. Sure. So Ken, you are a lifelong Eagles fan, and uh, the Eagles are coming off a, a heck of a run this past season, and they made big news this past week with a contract extension for quarterback Jalen Hurts. Uh, some of the details for those who, who may not know. Five years, about $255 million, $179 million uh, of which are guaranteed dollars. Um, he's going to average a salary of about $51 million per year. You and I are old enough to remember when $5 million a year was it was a huge contract and and now Hertz is going to get 51. So give me your general thoughts on the contract. Do you like it? What do you what do you think? Well, definitely. I mean, nowadays, right, the, the contracts are so enormous. It's it's hard to even fathom. You're right. Old guys like us that we we can't even think about these numbers and perception of when we were watching when we were kids. But you mentioned that Hertz's contract is definitely very team friendly. The way the Eagles seem to have structured it, even though I don't know all the details are out there yet, looks like he's only around a six and a half million dollar cap hit for this year. And that doubles in 2024 to about 13 million. So when you look at that in comparison to another quarterback that just got extended in Daniel Jones, Jones is at 21 million in 2023 and 45 million in 2024. So the value of that is the Eagles are definitely a win now team, right? They've got a lot of veterans. They've got a lot of aging players. Uh, you know, the, the ability for us to, to probably look at winning now is something that's important. So having Hertz on a team friendly type deal like that, where it's structured that it's a little bit lower of a salary cap hit early on is something that enables us to be able to keep those other veterans and also be able to maybe add some other pieces to the puzzle and get us over the hump from being in the Super Bowl to winning the Super Bowl. We've got some great draft collateral. They have the first, you know, the 10th pick and the 30th pick in the first round. So these are things that we should be able to use to our advantage here in a couple of weeks. So I think overall it's, it's a great contract. I think Hertz has proven he continues to improve every year. That's been something that's brought up about him, but it's an amazing story, right? I mean, this is a guy who went from, you know, getting pulled from the national championship game. And probably a lot of people thought you'd never even hear from him again. And then, you know, here he is, you know, he reinvents himself at Oklahoma state and then, you know, ends up going in the second round to the Eagles, which a lot of people weren't really happy about. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, here he is in this position, but Kevin, you were the one I remember a few years ago uh, talked about him kind of almost being a slash Stewart type player for, for the Steelers when the Steelers were looking at potentially drafting him. I think maybe you had him closer to the third or fourth round. So, you know, I mean, I've always liked him as a player. 
I didn't necessarily think that he would be the highest paid player in the NFL, uh, you know, a, a few years into his into his tenure. Yeah, I really did like him for the Steelers when when the Steelers were looking at drafting somebody to succeed Ben Roethlisberger. One thing I've always loved in quarterbacks or looked for, I should say, is their leadership qualities. And one of the things that told me just about anything, everything you need to know about Jalen Hurts was that when he transferred from Alabama to Oklahoma, he was at Oklahoma for two weeks in their offseason workout program, and they named him a team captain. And that tells you right away the impact that he has, the, the way that he galvanizes his teammates, just the kind of he's a guy you hear, you hear it from the Eagles all the time that they just want to play for him. They want to go to bat for him. Um, he's an inspirational figure in that locker room. And it doesn't surprise me that while the contract is record setting, like you were saying, it's structured in a way that doesn't hamstring the Eagles. It's not surprising that he would do a deal like that and not try to you know, take every penny that he could possibly get his hands on. Uh, I mentioned in the in the intro that about a, that 179 or so million of that contract is guaranteed. The guaranteed dollars in the NFL are actually starting to catch up to some of the other sports. Major League Baseball and the NBA are fully guaranteed. And the NFL is becoming more so that way. What, what are your thoughts on guaranteed dollars? Do you think guaranteed money is a good incentive or is it the cost of doing business or, or something else? What is it? I mean, I, I don't I don't necessarily love the guaranteed contracts from the standpoint of looking at things from probably how uh, um, the management or the ownership of the team would look right. Because, you know, I think we've seen it with some players right that on those rookie contracts. They're great. You know, they they are motivated. They're, they're doing really well. Then they get to that point where they, you know, kind of get that guaranteed second contract and we've seen a lot of players kind of fall off i liken this even to uh kevin i know you're a music fan you know i, I sometimes look at bands and their first album and their second album and you could really feel a lot of that grit and desire that they have because that's been something they probably worked their entire life up to that point really kind of building and then all of a sudden they made tons of money they've you know toured they've done all these things and all of a sudden that you know kind of chip on their shoulder that they had previously suddenly has gone away and a lot of times it's why you see bands have one or two good good albums and the, the third one sucks you know, I mean, I think that that would be my concern with any type of guaranteed money. With that said, as far as Hertz goes, I'd have to say that I'd consider Hertz probably one of the safer bets from just a personality standpoint. But obviously, injuries are always a concern. And, and you know, those would be the things that would concern me more about the guaranteed money. So do I love the guaranteed aspect of it? No. Is it become a lot more the standard in the NFL? It has. I mean, the, the worst place for it, right, is the NBA. Because, you know, guys show up one day and say, I don't like this team anymore. Trade me. And it becomes so difficult for teams to trade because of this guaranteed capital that they already have. So I think that, you know, in the NFL, it's a little bit different. If you're going to invest in a position, it's going to be the quarterback position. And by all indications, Hertz is the right type of guy and the right type of player to build around like a Mahomes would be with the Chiefs. Yeah. The uh, what is what is the Bobby Bonilla contract again? That that might be the greatest guaranteed contract in all of history. That they still have Bobby Bonilla Day where he gets yeah. one point one million dollars or something. Spread like it that. out over time, man. They spread it out. Gave him gave him a lot, you know. But they spread it out to kind of keep it team friendly, you know. So uh, like anything else, you know, would have been a good deal if the guy actually played good, but he did horrible, and and now he's a uh, you know he's he's mocked, but he doesn't care. The, the check's still cash. 
No, he doesn't care. He's getting one point <laughs> one million every. I think he's got seven yeah. more years on that. Thing. Yeah, he That's does. Amazing he does. negotiation he job. A long agent. time. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. So uh, let's let's talk about the Hertz contract and and its impact on the broader marketplace. So it'll be really interesting to see if if this re- does reset the market or with the salary cap expected to really take off in the next few years because of all the TV money that's coming in. Right. The cap was around 225 million this year and is expected to be up over 300 million in just a couple of years. It'd be really interesting to see if Hertz's contract gets blown out of the water by say Justin Herbert or, or uh, Joe Burrow when those guys are up or will the, will the, the teams be able to sort of negotiate based on performance. I think this is the interesting thing, right? When Herbert's up in a couple of years, I mean, is it a given that he just gets a bigger deal than hurts because he's the next great young quarterback in line uh, and the salary cap has, has gone up, et cetera. Or if he hasn't gotten LA to a Super Bowl by then, or even made a deep playoff run, I mean, they really haven't made a deep playoff run yet. The chargers with him, can they justifiably, you know, really kind of, I don't want to say try to get him on the cheap, but can they negotiate with that as leverage against him? How do you think that will work? I think that one of the things you look at kind of how the the money's being spent in the NFL right now is a lot closer to uh, what you consider almost like a comp on real estate, right? You know, so you kind of have these factors that weigh into, you know, kind of that compensation and it's weighed up against, you know, the next closest comparable homes right that you've got there so when you look at burrow and you look at herbert you know the likelihood that they'll kind of exceed beyond hertz is probably pretty strong the only negative to that could be as if herbert has an awful year this coming year and you know really you know struggles and and you know his team is kind of heading in the wrong direction you know burrow's already cemented himself as you know one of the best i think you know he certainly has a lot of opportunity to probably exceed hertz's contract and i think everybody kind of anticipates that um you know obviously you know timing and he could you know if you fall back i could see some of those things being you know being damaged but you know we talked about daniel jones and kind of the the money that he got um you know from the giants and and that amazes me because you know i I think you know i I don't think he's really proven to be a guy that you know you'd feel strongly about leading you to a super bowl victory so um i do think it's really based upon what other players got in front of you and i think it'll just keep raising and raising so the likelihood that herbert and burrow extend beyond hertz's contract is is probably pretty strong yeah, the Daniel Jones one that is mind blowing. Forty five million a year for a guy who is at best a middle of the pack quarterback in the NFL, and a guy that going into last season, the Giants there was there were talk, talk about whether or not he was a bust. Would the Giants have to look at a quarterback in this year's draft? So uh, it's in that sense the the cost of doing business at the quarterback position, and and so if Daniel Jones is getting forty five, and the salary cap's about to explode, man, what's Burrow going to get? He might be up over sixty. It's very possible. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, Burrow's proven to be phenomenal, you know, short of his rookie year when he got hurt every other year. I mean, he's done great. You know, the, he's moved the Bengals in to kind of be a perennial contender at this point. Um, you know, so I think you know he definitely deserves the money. But when you look at some of the other quarterbacks, you know, I think that that's, you know, kind of where you, you know, kind of 
see things trending. But then you look at kind of Lamar Jackson and, you know, I guess some of his durability, some of his leadership, some of those things that probably come into question, you know, you get teams that kind of will eventually say, Hey, we're only willing to go so far and don't want to extend, you know, them for, for beyond that. So, uh, you know, that's a curious scenario that I'm interested to kind of see out a lot of indications point towards that kind of getting worked out. But on the flip side, you know, you've got to ask yourself, you know, uh, is he from an overall standpoint, someone you should invest that long-term money in, you know, his durability is something that, you know, is concerning, but on the flip side, right. He's younger than a lot of the guys coming out in the draft. He's, I think he's similar age to Will Levis. He's younger than some other guys. I mean, he was, he's, you know, came out early. He was a younger guy to begin with. So he's a 24 year old guy that's already on, you know, his second contract in the NFL and he's got tons of experience. So, you know, some of those things are factors and things you got to weigh in. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, that's that's always going to be the challenge is who's willing to pay that. And, you know, quarterbacks are always at a premium. Right. So so I'm glad you brought up Jackson, because my next question is going to ask you about your experience as a business owner. In addition to Fans First, which is your latest venture, you run a highly successful business, Webamax, a web based company. Um and you've, you know, you've had to, you've spent a lot of time negotiating with employees, doing contracts, uh, dealing with compensation, those types of things. Jackson's an interesting story because he's trying to do a new deal without an agent. That's probably a terrible idea yes. because agents are filters and, and they allow for candid back and forth with in negotiation. And it's, it's probably hard to do that with face to face when somebody is not being represented. So let me ask you this. How do you, how do you determine fair market value for your, your employees? I mean, it's obviously we're, we're, we're talking about something very different with professional athletes, but even, even in a, a normal marketplace, there's a back and forth. What's your approach as a business owner in that regard? I mean, I've always really tried to have a scenario where our, base pay is competitive. It might not be the highest base pay, but I feel that, you know, where I always try to reward that is in incentives, uh, you know, and that's something I think that's been something that's been positive along the lines of my approach. You know, the, the, the incentives give people the opportunity to be able to make a lot more money. And those incentives are something that enable people to, you know, they can never really feel like they're capped or they're being held back. There's more and more opportunity for them to make more and more money. Uh, you know, my practice is really, you know, we're, we're not, I've never been someone to really go out and get the, you know, the shiny, you know, free agent signing, you know, I, I, that's not something that I really play. I, I delved into it one time, went out, got this expert in the field. Uh, he had a really good track record, you know, uh, like yourself, you had a podcast, you know, so, you know, some similarities there, uh, you know, and, uh, he was like, uh, you know, the Peter Dinklage character uh, in, in, you know, the, uh, the elf, you know, like he came, he wanted when he was coming in, he asked for a limo. He said that he wanted a specific type of fruit tray, uh, a couple <laughs> of fruits I never even heard of, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we were like, you know, it's Miles Fitch, you know, like we, that's what we thought. And, you know, foolishly, you know, I hired him and quickly found that, you know, it was divisive because he came in and he just was not a good fit at all around kind of our business and our company and culture, because our focus is really around, you know, bringing people kind of through the process, homegrown, getting them, you know, training them, taking them 
uh, building them and giving them further and further incentives. So, you know, when you bring in somebody from the outside who kind of comes in at this different price point, you know, they can really kind of upset the process. And, you know, I've always really had to approach that, you know, you're either with us, you're against us, you know? So uh, I think some of these practices are things that, you know, I probably learned along the way playing sports and, you know, really looked at how sometimes, you know, certain players, even though their ability was good, they could be divisive to your overall team. So, you know, we focus very heavily on the team mentality, which, you know, kind of goes back to the very point that you made at the top of the broadcast, which was really about Hertz. You know, the fact that he's got the leadership ability, he's a guy that seems to the players rally around. He's not a guy who's out there getting in trouble. He's not, you know, throwing up a bunch of sound bites for the other team to really work off of. So, you know, I think from an investment standpoint, he's a good fit because, you know, he is someone that, you know, really, you know, becomes the core of your team. Right. Man, I'll tell you what, the, the Miles Finch analogy, uh, guys asking for limo and star fruit. I got to, I got to up my demands. All, all I, I wanted know. was a better headset. I, I know, I know, I know we, we can work on the headset. You know, I, I don't know about some of the obscure fruits, but uh, you know, other than that, I think, I think we could get you taken care of. All right. I'll, I'll remain humble. Uh, all right. Let's pivot real quick to, to your newest venture. So uh, final question, and then we'll get you out of here. So, so let me ask you, why did you get involved in, in FFSN and, and what's your vision for the venture and what would you like to see this grow into? I think, I think the, the platform is off to a really great start and, and it's exciting and then there's a lot of really good talent on here. Where are we, all, where are we headed with this? So, I mean, I think one of the biggest things that I've looked at is really the dynamic of how we all kind of consume sports, right? As sports fans, you know, when we look at different information, you know, when we were growing up, right, we would look at things and there are the experts, right? The so-called experts that we'd watch on, you know, CBS or, you know, there wasn't Fox back. We date ourselves a little bit, but Fox really wasn't out there, right? We watched the games on CBS or NBC or ABC and, you know, there were fools like Jimmy the Greek that were experts, right? And these guys were the ones that, you know, they would give the line, they would give the information, and half the time it was completely inaccurate, right? Mm -hmm. Then over time you started to see more players getting involved, and, you know, there was always the John Maddens who knew the strategy and things like that. But, you know, more and more kind of players got involved over time, and, and you know, I think that in general what you started to see was there was these kind of grouping of experts that everybody really kind of relied on. Then as the internet kind of grew and everything kind of started to get more and more out there, you know, I think people started to have more of a platform to be able to put out content and information. And over time, I think people really started to find that, you know, there were a lot of fans and people that were the everyday person that's just in the seat in the stadium or the person that watches on their couch on Sundays that knew more or had, had really delved deeper into the sport and that particular knowledge about that team or the NFL or whatever sport it is, then even these so-called experts. And I think more and more people started to pay attention to the fans. So one of the things that I was really excited about was the notion around fans first sports is just that, you know, it's really based around the fans and the fans being the ones that are really kind of sharing that information and that content. And the goal is really to kind of have a platform for fans to really be able to have this opportunity to put, put forth information and for 
other fans to really be able to have that opportunity to be able to digest that information. We're, you know, we're, I'm very excited about the podcast portion. It's been something that's really a growing area of media. We're looking at doing a lot more short form type video, uh, probably some long form video, and then obviously digital. People still read digital. Uh, people still love to kind of look at different information, breaking information. But I think people have moved away from looking for that quote unquote expert. I mean, I think you look at, you know, again, and, and I read it too, but you look at someone like Mel Kuyper and his draft and you compare it up against some people that aren't quote unquote experts. And I think a lot of times you find that those non-experts are the ones who are closer on the picks than even Kuyper is. And again, I, I like Kuyper. I always look at the stuff that he does. I mean, he's, he built that kind of reputation as being that draft guy, but I think as it's gotten further and further and deeper into it, there's other people doing just as good and, you know, they're not necessarily, uh, you know, the ones that are regarded or revered as experts. And I want to be able to take those people and give them that platform to really be able to be seen and heard. That's great. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. And I, I feel as though uh, the opportunity is there for us to grow this into something really special. So appreciate you taking it on and and really excited to see where we wind up. Yeah, this is great. And hey, listen, there's there are so many great podcasts and so many so much great talent. That's the thing that's really impressed me uh, with what we're doing, and we're continuing to look to build and build a lot more. So I think uh, you know only great things on the horizon. But uh, you know this is great. You know you you kind of you know taking what you were doing, working with behind the steel curtain, and growing that, and really taking this on to your own NFL show. It's great, and I think that you know it just kind of shows the type of opportunity and the type of expansion we can have with the tremendous talent that we have part of part of our group already absolutely hard work and dedicated people trying to help uh, the fans enjoy football a little bit more if we can do that it's going to be a great success that's so, right man. that's right all right we're going to wrap it up uh that is that is episode three of the call sheet i appreciate you coming on ken it was great to to talk some football with you and uh looking forward to you getting back to new jersey so you know we can toast one in person all right, my man. We'll uh, we'll look for some of that specific fruit you're looking for as well. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Kevin Smith. This has been The Call Sheet. Next week, our episode next week will coincide with draft day. It will come next Thursday on day one, the first round of the NFL draft. So be sure to tune in. That's going to be a great show as we get, you, get everybody pumped up for the NFL draft. All right. Have a great week, everybody. We're done. See you. Oh, how it rips me, but love makes me live for tomorrow.